Blog Talk Radio. Marriage. She does. She talks about the first marriage for a minute, 
but not a lot. She does talk about the relationship with Eric B. I was shocked that she hit that, right? She hit that, you know, talked about that uh, situation. But we're going we gonna to get into all of that and more. <laughs> God, we got so much to talk about, but you know what, guys? Uh, what am I going to do? I'm going to take a break, and then we're going to come back and get right into it, okay? So let's start out with some music. Let's uh, start with Loose Ends, one of my favorite bands. I love Loose Ends. Hanging on uh, hanging on the string. It's the CC Show. I'm Carlotta. You are tuned in for the Late Night Edition, okay? Be back in a moment.
wanna love you later. When I put down our weapons, baby. Lay it to stand on the floor, love. And give me some love after all. Favorite gems, love after war. Robin Thick. It's the CC Show. I'm Carlotta. I am back. You are listening to Late Night Sunday edition of the Carlotta Chatwood Show. Okay, I told y'all I was gonna give y'all part two. Now I'm here with a part two. Wide awake. <laughs> you know what? I have to go. I have an appointment early morning, but it's all good. Okay, it is good. We are gonna get through this. Okay, so. Let's talk about Wendy Williams, okay? First of all, we'll talk about the documentary, okay? Wendy, what a mess, okay? <sighs> Lots of crying. Wendy was definitely emotional. Very upset, very angry uh, about, and, and and you know what? Who can blame Wendy? Wendy uh, went through a lot in her. She was married for 22 years. She finds out her husband's been playing on her, using her money to keep a mistress. I mean, all kind of stuff. I can't, you cannot blame her, you know. And not only is her husband using her money to keep a mistress, buy the mistress a house, cars and everything, but the mistress gets pregnant and has a baby, okay? You know, like the worst. <laughs> the worst, right? And I can't blame her for being so hurt and devastated, you know. Um it, it it was it's a very sad situation. And then on top of that she's recently lost a mom and, and you got to see her family talk in a documentary. You got to learn a little bit more about Wendy, her insecurities, her her weight issues growing up. Um and you get to see this ascension of Wendy Williams, how a Wendy be, became who she really, you know, who she is. And, you know, I remember, listen, I was listening to Wendy, like, probably, like, it's been, oh, wow, maybe, I, you know, I was thinking that I was listening to her because I got my computer, like, the first time I had my Dell computer because that's when I started streaming, like, you could start streaming. That might have been late 90s. And I think I was catching her in the end because she used to have this, um, when I first came online in that time, she used to have this message board. Like, you go to her message board, and they would be, I don't know if it was her message board, but it was a Wendy Williams message board. Like, people would leave all kind of gossip, news, and tips and stuff. This was, like, way back in the day. And I think I started listening to her. I don't know if she was at the end of Philly or she was just now coming back to WBLS, Okay. But I would stream the show, and I would listen to Wendy Williams, and I'd be like, oh, my God, you know, because, I mean, she was just, there is, I call her the mother of the blocks, because without Wendy, you would probably not have the block, meaning the mother of the gossip block, the pop culture block. Wendy was the first person who ever was dishing the dirt, like, like, like big time dirt, you know, that, that that I can remember, okay. So it very it was. Listen, 
her story is very good. Uh, I, I love the, uh, she talked about her early days when she was working. I think she even brought, like you see her working for Kathy Hughes, it didn't seem like a nice experience for her. Um, you see her uh, her setting goals to get to New York and work in the New York market and everything and how she blew up in the movie. You get to see that in Wendy Williams' movie. But the 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 most powerful thing I think you get to you learn about Wendy, she's such a cancer. Can I just say that she's just such a cancer? But one of the things that you learn in the movie about her is this relationship that she has with Kevin, and you see this very capable, smart woman just looking for someone. First of all, she's in rebellion because I think she wants to do something that's different from her family, right? So I think that that fuels her attraction to certain types. And then I also think she was looking for protection. Deep down she wanted somebody to protect her. And Kevin, you you get to understand the relationship, how the dynamic of her and Kevin started off, you know. And so – they went through a lot together. You know, you see Wendy's miscarriages, how she, you know, she carried uh, babies like till they were five months, and, this, and she had to deliver two stillbirth babies. It was so sad. I mean, you know, so you just, and then the rape that happened with the R&B singer, alleged rape. Uh, then you have the, uh, you know, you see the different events in her life and, until up till she's finding out about this other woman and, Oh man, you know, here's the thing. Me I mean, this it's so bad when you use a person's like her livelihood to set up the mistress. It's like, wow, he didn't even have his own money. She let me tell you this, Kevin looks very bad throughout this movie. I mean, he looks like, you know and he looked like he tried to take complete control of uh her life and her career. Um now, why I think Kevin was at fault for, you know, but I also think Wendy, Wendy's energy drew that drew that to her. You have to take responsibility for the energy that you draw to you. Now, what they do, they have to take responsibility for the bad that they do to you. But Wendy's energy drew someone into her life that really wasn't trustworthy, but she made trustworthy. trustworthy. And I think she projected on Kevin a lot of things that just simply weren't there. Like early on into the marriage, like nine, she said like nine years in, she knew. She like knew it was going to be over. She she had this, she, she was already ready to divorce him, and then something would happen and she'd stay in it, you know, or something would go. So she, and that tells you too about the power of marriage too, you know, how people struggle to make decisions about marriage and stuff like that. Marriages just don't, you know, end. No matter what uh, people say, uh, marriage is a bond. And her and Kevin did have a bond, okay? So uh, what I thought of the movie, I really, really liked it. It was really good. I felt like it helped us uh, to understand Wendy Williams more, the person Wendy Williams. It was very interesting to see her reaction about, she was like, you know, being a hot topic. She was like, you know, it was fair. Like in her documentary, she was saying she understood that she was becoming a hot topic. She said and it was fair, but, you know, it felt strange, you know. And um, another thing, too, we get to understand, too, in the movie 
Kevin had a lot more power than than they than we thought because at some point it almost seemed like in the movie, like Wendy at one point like was being held like at a facility out of out a, a drug clinic or something like that, uh, uh alcohol and drug clinic or dry place. Really, when she didn't want to be, and it seemed like Kevin was more in charge of that. <sighs> And it's you know it, it's all about what I tell women all the time. If you getting going into the music business <laughs> or an actress or whatever, I always say never let men, never let your spouse, not just husbands, but I don't believe your spouse should manage your career. Should they be involved in your career? Because once you get married to a spouse, it's not just their career. They, it's you. You guys have to make decisions surrounding the career. Now, do I think you can get together with your spouse and have and and you guys have wisdom and seek seek wisdom from your spouse and exchange ideas about uh, each other's careers? Yes, but as far as the management, especially in 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 stuff like showbiz and everything, it gets the lines of blurred. It gets messy, and the lines of relationship. And the lines of uh, work get blurred, and sometimes men end up, uh, uh, especially with women. I notice it, women and husbands. And I haven't heard many stories with wives doing it. I'm sure there may be some out there, but with women and their husbands, a lot of women, a lot of these women marry men who don't have as much money as them. Okay, it's a classic mistake. Classic. Okay. Uh, and a lot of these women feel like they have to compensate for these men not having because you know a man is gonna feel a little way sometimes. Not all men, but most men are gonna feel some sort of way with you being the money maker. You know, it seems to them sometimes it may seem a little out of order or something. And so sometimes what happens, unless you meet, unless a lot of times if you've married the man and he was the breadwinner first, and then something happens and. And you get you, you get money together. It it still could be a, a power struggle, but it, it it's a little better, you know, in those situations because it's something you got together. But when a man comes into a relationship with a uh, a woman and she already is a boss, it's very hard for women. Women start to overcompensate. Uh, to help those men, they give them jobs. They start giving them, um, uh, they start giving them titles to help them feel better about being not being as wealthy uh, as uh, as they are. They try to make them feel like the man, and that's something you just can't do, right? And so I feel like Kevin. That's what Wendy tried to do with Kevin, and you see it classic. It was when you saw it with Mary J. Blige. You've seen it with Melba Moore. You've seen it with uh, um, uh, uh, so many female singers. Um, I it is I hate when you know y'all know I hate when I go blank, right? But it's so many female uh, singers that have had this uh, 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 this situation. I mean. Um, where they have married, gotten married to men, and they gave them these men were, were didn't have as much money as them, and these women felt obliged to give them a role, obliged to make them. You know, I see this. It's a particular singer I see this with right now, and I don't want to doom her marriage because she's on the, she's she's really trying hard 
to make things work, but I see it already. She's always trying to overcompensate for him not having enough. Um, as much So you'll see this particular scene She'll come on live with him She'll be extra submissive And be like yeah he, he, Yes because the husband's And she's suddenly starting to preach <laughs> About submission and everything And you see her overcompensating Because she Because the man feels uncomfortable In her position So it is a very important ladies Who are who have wealth I'm going to just be honest with you it's very important to find a man that is very secure with your position and that you don't have to op- overcompensate or find someone who's in a, 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 a position of power that is not threatened by your position of power. You know what I'm saying? If Because a lot of times these women will get men who, don't, who, who, who feel intimidated by their success. And most men will feel intimidated, especially if you're the breadwinner, okay? And so you see these women really trying extra hard, and that's where they mess up. And they, they don't understand that the insecurity for these men is inside of them, and it has nothing to do with their success. Their, 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 their lack of feeling success is because they married someone who's, who, who may have become more successful than them. And sometimes that can happen. Um, that can happen for women, too. I heard one story about a woman years ago. Uh, I was watching the ID channel. And actor, I think the actor, the guy he used to play on, he was in a lot of movies, and he was in, um, uh, he was on Saturday Night Live, I believe, Phil Hartman, right? And him and his wife, they always said his wife was jealous of his career. She was, she wanted to be an actress or something like that, but she was really jealous because she felt she wanted to be successful. That was the rumor, I mean, alleged. That's what I saw in this particular documentary. Don't quote me on it. But apparently that was the reason, you know, he ended it, his his life ended when his she she alleged well they, the, what they they that they they say she shot him and then herself and killed herself, and a lot of people speculated because she was always jealous of his career, right? So women, you know, that I hardly hear stories like that with women, but with men, you definitely hear because of men's ideas of their roles in society. So. I feel like women, like you see it, Bobby, Whitney, Whitney Houston didn't do that with Bobby Brown, but what she did was try to make Bobby feel more manly than normal. You know what I'm saying? Because she was such a big, huge figure. I can name some other people. You know, let me say, I'll say Eric Benet when he married Holly Berry. I knew, I knew, I knew. I was like, no, Eric, no. The reason why, because Eric had just begun to build up his R&B chops. He was just coming out. And Holly Berry at the time was so huge, right? And now Holly Berry already was allegedly out in these streets. Y'all say she was dealing with, little, she was a little slow back in them days, you know, with the men or whether she had some issues. I don't know. I ain't going to say this. Holly Berry even admits to being a little cray-cray, Okay. But that, I mean, I don't believe that was the only situation going on there. I believe that Eric Benet was an up-and-coming singer, and it's hard to be married to a big old movie star. What did Eric Benet end up doing? Going out there and he was messing around on her, right? Embarrassed her a lot, you know what I'm saying? But I believe that uh, that was because he hadn't, he, he hadn't had, he, I mean, I thought it was cool to date her, but it was it was very hard for him 
to uh, my personal opinion, this is just Carlotta one-on-one, it's very hard for a man who hasn't established his own success yet to uh, be involved with a woman with such a big success. He has to be very secure in himself. You know what I'm saying? All right, because, you know, especially when people call you Mr. Barry or Holly Berry's married to some singer or some musician. And now, at the time, Eric Bonet was hot and upcoming in the R&B world, but he wasn't yet big as Holly Berry. And so I feel like that was a problem. And personally, my personal opinion is Holly Berry has never been able she, – she, she was able to do get with somebody, marry one of her husbands, Yeah, one of her husbands had the success, the same amount of success that she did, and that was David Justice, okay? Uh, but then there was a lot of problems there, too, you know, so I think there's other things there. Even though David Justice, you know, he had, he was very established, very pop, famous baseball player and stuff like that. But at the, I, I think there was other things going on. But I think with Eric, that might have been some of the problems. I remember saying, thinking to myself, oh, my God, he should not marry her. She, he, 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 he's not established yet, you know. And um, I think that happens with a lot of males. And I think this is what happened with Wendy and Kevin Hunter. I believe Wendy was a boss. She was popping. Kevin was a boss on the street, whatever that, whatever he was doing out there. <laughs> Right, but he still wasn't where Wendy was. And to there is something about, you know, roles in society, uh, you know, men like to take care of their families. Men like to be the masculine energy. And sometimes when women act as a masculine energy, especially in the money-making field, sometimes men have a hard time with it, especially like dudes like uh, somebody like a Kevin. So I don't think Kevin would have... In my personal opinion, watching the movie, Kevin never felt secure. Wendy was giving him him titles and stuff that he really was not uh, equipped to do. And it just probably made him feel worse. And so what he did is he went out and he got a little scrubber bunny. I mean, no offense to her. You know, she's a cute little girl, but she's young. he got a young girl. He got somebody that he could control where he could look like the man, the big man with her money. Like with Wendy, he, it was hard to look like the big man when Wendy's doing all the work. The only way he looked like the big man with Wendy was protecting her physically from, you know, the people who was coming after her because of things she was saying on the radio and on the air. But other than that, I, my personal belief in how they showed that, Kevin never really felt like much of a man. And that's not Wendy's fault, but I believe Wendy's fault is that she overcompensated trying to give a man who wasn't prepared to be her husband at the level she was on. He was not prepared. She then tried to put these responsibilities on him to make him feel better that he wasn't, he was not, he was not capable of. And at this, and when she did that, not only did she not only almost ruin her own her own life, but she almost not only her her own career, but her own life. I mean, because I remember when she was at the radio and she was first going, getting ready to go to the talk show. I remember saying, having a conversation with somebody, and I even said it on here, how I said, Wendy Williams, her her downfall is not that she can't be an Oprah. 
Cause, and, and meaning that Wendy's different from Oprah, but it wasn't to me that Wendy couldn't have the big talk show because Wendy's definitely capable. Wendy is uh, uh, is like the bomb, okay, we're, we're as far as um, uh, uh, talk shows and stuff and the way she presents herself, the way she asks her questions and all that stuff. I knew Kevin was going to be a problem. I said it's going to be that husband that's going to be the problem because he wasn't prepared to go where she was prepared. And she was projecting on him something that he wasn't ready for. So I, not only do I see it as Kevin's fault, but I see it as a lot of Wendy's fault, you know, trying to make him something that he was not. And he fell under the pressure. And what he did is went and got somebody who was lesser than, not as a human, but lesser than in, in her position and everything, who had to do, depend on him. And she made him feel like a man. Like, suddenly he was the breadwinner in the relationship. See, suddenly he wasn't driving around Wendy's car. And, and there was a scene in the movie where he he's outside and she finds out he's playing on her, right? And so she hires him. I mean, she finds out he's playing on her. She hired a private investigator. She comes out and she throws uh, these these pictures of him. And he picks up the pictures, he's looking at them, and she's like, how you buying her cars and money that we can't, we can't afford? She said, no, what you can't afford. Reminding him that this is my money. And see, this is probably what that man felt constantly. And what I say to women, it's not, and I know, listen, it's so hard for women who have any form of success. And I've had friends You know, I've got friends who've had these issues Who've uh, Women who have had any Women who have any form of success It's going to be very hard Harder for you To find a man Sometimes To match your success Or be over your success But that's almost what you have to do Because unless you find a guy who is very comfortable in his position, you know, a very comfortable guy who's and they and they, you know, those are really rare guys out there who are very comfortable with kind of being the beta in the relationship. There, I mean, as far as money is concerned, being the beta, understand, but also exerting themselves as the alpha. That's hard, uh, you know. I do see it. Let me let me tell you where I do see it, kind of. Uh, where they've done this. I talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Shane Booty, Shane Booty, uh, the girl I was talking about, her and her husband. Her husband's like six years younger than her, kind of like a Wendy Williams situation, okay? Mm. <laughs> but he's six years younger. He's very cute. She's very beautiful. They just had a baby. Uh, 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 but 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 they met each other. Like, you think she's the more successful. She is the brand, right? But he's starting to come up with his own brand. He's a musician and everything like that. And uh, Shane is kind of, she's done some magic a little bit with him, I think. Um, it's almost, you know, and I think it's because she's, she's they're so sexually attracted to her. I, I don't think that the guy can't, Shane, that her husband, um, Uh, Jared came in with the idea Because here's the thing about Wendy I actually think Kevin Cared for Wendy But I think Wendy was also A hustle to him Okay, 
So I think when I look at Gerard and uh, uh, Shane and their relationship, uh, I mean, and just using them for example, I see him, two people has coming together and having a really sexual, combustible relationship, really liking each other, really enjoying each other's company and everything. But you still see that a little bit in him. You still see a little bit because even though she's a brand and they're both working on the brand and he's a major, major force in that brand, she's still the face of it. So what I love about him is that he talks to her about those feelings. Like they share those feelings on the show. It's like they have, and you can see he's he's becoming more and more of the alpha in that relationship, even being younger. And I think if they continue to work towards that away and continue to talk about it and stuff, they that will last. You know what I'm saying? As long as they continue to share in each other's successes, you know what I'm saying. But and even though when Shane met her, she was like he said she didn't have a lot of money as most of people thought, right? But still, she was creating a brand, and he comes in and makes it even bigger. But sometimes people don't see it that way, and when people don't see it that way, that can hurt a male's ego. So uh, that's the only like, and you know what? Here's another thing about her. Like I said last week, she has such a love for him. I think, you know, I think her love is so deep for this dude. I mean, it's not a desperate love, in my opinion. And maybe that's what I like about them, too. Like, I do see the red flags, but this is it's such a, she has such a love for him. And she's like, you know, if I don't think she... I think she, they definitely both wanted to last forever, but I think Shane is the type of person that I'll give... Uh, Fully of myself in this, I just want to have had this experience with him, and that's how much she loves him. And I think that love, that very powerful love that I see from her, helps them grow. Now, the only red flag is him being a musician. You know, <laughs> you know, because musicians kind of can be hoes out in these streets. But you know, at the same time. Uh, I feel like they have some sort of balance as far as they have conversations and things like that. Kevin and Wendy, like Wendy said, he, him and her had a lot in common. They like the same music. I actually think that Kevin had just studied her very well. I think that Kevin was hustling her. And I think Wendy was attracted to people who just were were not that great, were not that grit, was gritty anyway. I mean, she was attracting the wrong type of guys, you know. So, um, and people that she thought she found protection in. And I and I think these, and she, and she actually, even when she was dating Eric B., like he was taking her car and he allegedly, and he was, uh, he was uh, using her, I mean, he almost got her arrested for never bringing back the rent-a-car and all that stuff. And I think that's because Wendy was more successful on a financial level. She would have been taking care of him, too. So Wendy kind of, in my particular opinion, looks for guys that somewhat she maintains some sort of control over, maybe by, and they kind of maintain some sort of control. It's in, a, in exchange. Like some in her feelings, the some thugs will give her uh, comfort of security, and she gives them security in the other way. But that never helps a man's manhood, right? So I feel like that is why um, he ends up playing with her with a younger woman, and now he's living with that younger woman. And I 
wouldn't be surprised if he has another baby by the young woman. And the reason why I say that is because uh, I think now he feels in charge with Wendy's money. Now it's no longer uh, the feeling of Wendy having Wendy's money. Now he is the alpha all the way around, and this girl has to depend on him. And I think men in relationships need to feel needed. They need to feel like the alpha in some ways. They need to feel like they're, because men are providers, so they need to feel like they're given provision in some sort of way. And whatever way that is, they have to be confident in it. And a lot of times men are just not confident sometimes with women making more money. Like I said, there are men out there, but they're very rare. And then there are women out there who can kind of have a relationship with those type of men, women, but they're very rare too because it's hard to find women who won't be talking about, and that's my money and all that stuff like Wendy was doing, okay? So and, so I see it has, I see what happened in the relationship. Uh, I think it was uh, really never good for her, okay? But it was a great thing if she got a beautiful son out of it. But um, it was, uh, I do see the bond there because they went through the miscarriages and stuff like that. But Wendy's is a classic tale of what women talk about with hypergamy and femininity in your marriage. You know, I don't agree with everything hypergamy. I do agree with a lot of it. I mean, you know, how important it is to have, to understand feminine roles and masculine roles, okay? Because uh, if a man feels less than, you know, a man in certain areas, then, yeah, you know. They might run around out in these streets, okay? And especially in that, and then it also speaks to women who are, um, let me just say this. And I'm not going to say this is Wendy's particular issue, but what you'll find is a lot of women, this particular person I see on all the time, this other person I was talking about, this celebrity who brings her husband on the lives and all this stuff, um, what you will find a lot of time with women like that who keep picking men who um, are not up to their uh, their uh, their thing, like you know what I'm saying, their standard. What you what you will find a lot of times is a lot of these women will be damsels in distress. A lot of them will have certain backgrounds. Uh, they'll be damsels in distress, even though they're making big money. Especially in the entertainment world, you see, you see it with Aretha Franklin's background. Well, you see all these women who are very powerful on stage, but sometimes they don't want to be the man on the. They don't want to be able to take. They don't want to take care of the business side. They don't want to take care of. Oh, you guys, I start playing music. Sorry. <laughs> okay, they don't want to take care of all the creative side. They don't want to take care of all that stuff going on. So they'll go and get someone, anybody, uh, to, <laughs> to, to to help them with that, right? And they'll try to find protection in these males. Like, I remember I was watching this particular singer. Not singer. Well, I'm not going to say she was a singer, yeah. And she was on, and she kept trying to say, well, we handle, uh, he's, we, we handle the finances. It's our finances. And no matter how much she kept trying to say that, you realize, the guy was realizing, you, she, I realized she was overcompensating for uh, trying to make him feel like it was his money too. But it wasn't his, you know, he didn't come into that money, you know what I'm saying, it, 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 
the dynamic was she's constantly overcompensating, which constantly reminded him that he don't have it. You know, and um, I just feel like a lot of times those women don't, and this is not, and I, and I don't want to judge them, but a lot of times sometimes those women don't want to do the work that it takes to get a man of stature that can handle their uh, their careers. And a lot of times they really like those males that are that are in less than in those areas because really they're afraid to have a man take control. Really, they'll let a man pretend they'll pretend with a man like he's taking control. But the moment that he starts to to fuck to fuck up, then you know which they expect because they a lot of these women will be dealing with a lot of fuck ups most of their time. You know what I'm saying? So they'll expect this one the the man to mess up. And what they'll do is that's where they'll start to usurp control. But a lot of times you'll find these women don't usually like, like it's not that it's not men out there that are not successful and can't, and don't make, you know, and don't make up, and, you know, they can't find a successful execs or successful, you know, certain people in their category to get with. Now it's different with men and women. Men can, men can find a woman and put her up. It's, it's very different, okay? But for women and men, women and men, the masculine roles, eh, you know, it's harder for women. And a lot of times, I believe secretly, those women do like to have some form of control and that they'll pick someone weak to project a lot of roles on, but the minute that they mess up, well, they're quick to say, this is my money, this is my this and that, this is my this and that, because they get what they expect. I hope I'm making sense on that. So a lot of these women will not do the work they need to do on the inside spiritually to to bring men to them who are either prepared mentally for their career, are prepared mentally, financially, and spiritually to be their spouses. They'll bring in men less than that make them feel comfortable and without growth, you know, like I think look at somebody like Mary J. Blige, you know, Kendu, Kendu helped her grow. When Kendu, and it's the same thing. Wait a minute, hold on, damn, maybe, maybe. listen, we're we talking about this. We, we, I'm talking for those of you who just tuned in. I'm talking about the Wendy Williams movie, and I'm talking about when men marry, when women marry men who are underneath them on a financial level, how it affects them. I'm used talking about Mary J. Blige right now. Mary J. is sort of like Wendy too. When 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 let me go back to Wendy. When when Kevin found Wendy, Wendy was a raging drug addict. She was going to work every day, functioning because you know cocaine you can fuck function on. I listen. I'm gonna tell y'all that the cocaine people can usually function on. It's when they run out of money and got to go to crack they start fucking. <laughs> I mean, it's not that you functioning in a good way. Because you eventually have a down spiral. Drugs will take you down. But but she, Wendy was a was a coke, a coke addict, okay, and, and she was partying and everything. She had she didn't have much discipline in her life. Kevin comes in to be that savior. She needed. He begins to start telling her, you don't need to be on drugs. He he's okay. He lets her use the drugs, but he also begins to speak to her like a kind of like a father figure that she. You know, maybe because Wendy had a father, but 
he sort of like starts to act as a fatherly role somewhat to her, okay? Uh, that's what Kendu did with Mary J. Blige. Kendu came in, Mary J. Blige was fucked up. If you remember Mary J. Blige, I remember Mary J. Blige on Oprah with Kendu and Fred Price talking about how her husband changed her life with Fred Price and everybody else. And so, but it was because she he found her in a place. And it's not that men can't, you can't find a great man who will come through and help you clean up and get your life together. That happens. But I'll say that it's very rare sometimes because a lot of times if you're on drugs and stuff, you can't see somebody really well when they come into your life. And so maybe he's acting as a savior in one sense, but that's because uh, you're not doing a lot of those. A lot of times, those men, men like Kevin and Kendu, will find these women in a state uh, where they lack growth. They don't want to grow. Like Wendy knew drugs was not doing her any good. She knew she needed stabilizing, but she could. She didn't do it herself. She needed this man to come through and do it. You know what I'm saying? And it's not. And and that's a growth that's required for you. You know what I'm saying? So I think that sometimes, a lot of times, these women don't want to ta- don't want to do the work and the growth that it takes, and they'll and they'll get these guys who will rescue them in one area, but it's also a hustle in the next area. You know, like one woman said, uh, I heard one Fantasia. I'm gonna talk about Fantasia. I don't know her husband. Her and her husband could be doing great. Uh, because she's pregnant right now. Congratulations, Fantasia. No shade. But uh, Fantasia said something one time. I heard her on a, on a show, and she was talking about her husband. And she said he came to her. Her husband came to her, and the first thing he said to her is, can I cover you in prayer? I said, Fantasia, you so crazy. She talking about that's what made her be attracted. I said, Fantasia, anybody who goes see you for two minutes in concert know your thing is church. Know your weakness is this, this, this. It's church. Anybody come to you talking about Jesus, can I pray with you? Uh, 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 and they know that, that you, your comfort zone is in the church. So they know that how to come to you and seek you out and see, you know, right where to grab you. I ain't saying that he's, that he's a bad dude, I'm saying, but that's how a lot of times these women or they they come after these women because you know they'll they'll come after them in what's also a, a comfort zone but also a weakness, okay? And so and then these women think they're they they've married some sort of hero when you just really marry somebody uh, where you fail to do the work. I mean that happens in a lot of marriages. You know what I'm saying? So my thing is that a lot of times, you know, even, hey, even uh, with, with me me and some of my friends, we, we're married women, and we, we say the same thing about ourselves. We be like, damn, you know, shit, I should have took care. Girl, you know, like we be saying certain things we, we should have took care of before marriage. We could have seen situations better. We could have solved certain things a little bit differently. We may have done things differently on some fronts. Or maybe our choices uh, uh our choices and how we handled certain things after the relationships and marriages and stuff like that, we would have done very differently, okay, our, our behaviors or something like that. So I, a lot of times what happens is women don't want to do the growth that it takes uh, on the, especially on the, 
the outside. And a, a lot of times, here's what it is. A lot of times these women aren't built uh, for, dang, I'm trying to figure out how I can say this where it's not offensive. Okay, sometimes women aren't built to be masked. They have a hard time working in the masculine role. Like Wendy, I feel like Wendy had a hard time being masculine. Uh uh, 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 because being a boss requires a form of masculinity, right? And sometimes women can get very tired in that energy. And personally, I think, you you know, while we have a dual nature as, as human beings, we have a feminine side and a masculine side. All human beings do. When you're a man, your 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 comfort zone is masculinity. When you're a, a woman, even though you might be in touch, you got men who are very in touch with their their femininity side, but then, but 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 the comfort zone is masculinity. Same thing for women. The comfort zone is femininity, femininity, even though you may have a more masculine side. Now, some women are more masculine than others. I'm an alpha female in certain in certain things. In some ways, I'm not an alpha. Sometimes I can be very feminine, but I can be very alpha. You know, or something like that. So, <laughs> especially if you listen to this show, right? I can be very alpha in certain ways. But in and you know and but uh, depends on you know depends on uh, I I'm a very I'm also a very uh, shapeshifter a little bit I can very <laughs> I can become feminine depending on what situation I'm in you know or, or something like that so so in some senses um, a lot of women don't want to do the business of masculinity and when they stepped into those positions a lot of those women weren't prepared for them. They weren't prepared for the financial uh, situations they would have to deal with, uh, the show business mess and everything, and they just look for protectors instead of trying to, instead of growing in those positions and getting people, maybe other people in their lives, you know, discerning maybe certain people to help them in that area, they'll run off and get someone in the love zone and it'll be a huge mistake. And that's what I felt what happened with Wendy Williams. I felt Wendy Williams was uh, found herself in a position in show business. She had just had a rape happen to her. Uh, I felt that she felt very unprotected. I felt that she comes from a, a, a nice little middle-class family, and she felt her father probably didn't wouldn't understand uh, the the ups and downs of what she was going. Matter of fact, she used to try to you see in the movie her calling her father. But her father seemed more uh, busy, so you know, like there wasn't, there wasn't. In some ways, you see lack of connection a little bit there. You know what I'm saying? So I think she ran to look for a masculine figure to help her deal with all the mess going on in the business, so she could just be creative, Wendy. Okay. and for uh and that same thing I think happened to Mary J, I think happened to people like Melba Moore and stuff like that. And I I just feel like that can set dangerous precedents, you know. Uh a girl like me, let me just explain to me. If I had been I was raised in in a household with my grandparents. My grandparents I've been I I came straight from the hospital with my grandparents. <laughs> I, I don't know, you know, I, I, I used to spend uh, weekends with my mother, but I've never lived with my mother ever. You know, my mother probably, I think my mother was in the house maybe because my mother was a teenager when I was born. She was in the house a little bit after I was born, you know, hearing it, but I, ne- I don't ever recall living with my mother, okay? 
So I was raised in a two-parent home with my grandparents, okay, uh, and my great-grandparents, but you know, but mostly my grandparents, okay. My grand great-grandparents, I go visit a lot and stuff like that. But, however, being in that home, my grandfather was definitely alpha in a lot of things. But my grandmother was alpha, too, in certain things. Uh, you know, my grandmother was probably the alpha, sort of like, no, my grandmother was very feminine because she run the household and stuff like that. She could be very alpha at times, exert herself in certain ways. So I got to see the dynamics of relationships very different. And in, in some ways it was good, in some ways it was bad. <laughs> and I have to explain that to you all later, but I'm, I'm going somewhere with this. But because I grew up in more more of a, a patriotic, a, a, where a, a father figure was there, like had I got out in show business out there, my grandparents were singers. My grandparents were in the music, music area, and they did gospel music. My grandparents were DJs on a radio station in Kansas City. I mean, you know, my grandparents used to hold gospel uh, things, uh, you know, from the time I was a kid on up. I mean, you know, so my grand, grand it, it was very different. So had I been out there and in show business or something like that, and I got in trouble, I knew I could, I didn't have to run out and marry just somebody to protect me or something like that. I got a father who very much, you know, understood the stands that world and would deal with it, come and deal with it. Like Beyonce has that protection too. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, even though she's married a man now into the business, she definitely has a father who understands the business, a father who was a masculine figure. There. To me, it's something different about when you have a father that's very attached, you have a relationship with a father. Like Wendy, I don't know of her how strong the relationship was with her father early on and how she saw them because it seemed to me that she was looking for a protector and a father figure, right? And when she showed, they show her calling her father, he seemed a little distant from her, right, uh, from understanding what was going on with her. Not that he didn't love her, but just a little distant, okay? So I think that can also play a role. When you look at women like Mary J. Blige, take a look at women like Fantasia, sometimes the father figure has not been, you know, they may have been there, maybe there may be some distance, or they may not have been there. There's a difference, you know, in the level of uh, protection and stuff like that. You know, my first thing would have been, like, if I felt like, you know, my first thing is, hey, you know, um, I know I can call up my uh, uh Papa and he'd tell me, "Hey, I'm 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 stressed out out here. I don't know what to do. I can't handle the business or whatever." And the first thing him and my grandmother would have probably did is rolled out there, like, "Ah, oh, well, wait a minute. What do you mean you can't handle the business? Wait, we'll look we'll look into it. That's <laughs> we'll we'll help you deal with it, you know." So I think that sometimes some what what you are finding when women get into relationships like that, they need a sense of protection. And and they try to find it anywhere they can find it. And a lot of times they don't feel like they have that around them in their family, and especially if if, uh, if it's not a patriarchy where that is very strong, okay? So I found that really interesting. That's what I found very interesting about the Wendy Williams movie. Uh, it it, it doesn't, and I don't want to sound like I'm dissing Wendy's father because Wendy, Wendy seems like she has a great relationship with her father, but it seemed like there was some distance there. You know, like she grew up in a great home, but there was some there was some distance. Um, you know, I, that was one of the problems that I did not have, as far as my 
with with my grandfather concerned. I can always, or even if my when when my great grandfather was alive, I could always I had male figures who were very prominent, right? So I didn't feel, um, like you know, even just even the, the, you can always. I even talked about this with Mary J. Blige a couple of weeks ago. I talked about why is it Mary J. Blige. I was talking about why she wasn't more successful, why she wasn't more, I mean, more uh, celebrated and everything as far as her financial and stuff like that. Then I was I was talking, I had this discussion with somebody the other day, how Mary J. comes from more of a matriarch, you know, situation because her mother was there. Her father was in and out, I don't think, I think or something like that. Um Compared to Beyonce, who's, who who comes from a even though her parents, I'm sure there was the issues there. Child, we know because we see what happened after they got famous. But I'm just saying that uh, Beyonce grew up in a two parent home that was uh, uh, where her father was definitely one of the breadwinner winners and very patriot uh, took a patriotic. Uh, a fatherly, a very fatherly role when it came to her career and protecting her career and protecting the business and stuff like that. Now, I saw that growing up, too, in my household. You know, I can say that my grandmother, when my grandmother was doing music, my grandfather was doing music and my grandmother, they both belonged to musical uh, groups. They both went on the road and performed a lot. And I can remember, like, a time when my grandfather stepped back from his own career and was managed, was dealing with my grandmother's career, you know, you know, and stuff like that, and music and stuff like that, and they worked very well together. But my grandfather understood the business, and so did my grandmother. So they were both in it. So that 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 it was a very so so there so I think that sometimes that that there isn't that fear there where I got to call somebody, <laughs> you know. But I think that Wendy had a lot of. Wendy had a fear. I think that uh, 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 also uh, uh, Mary J. had a fear. I think Melba Moore had a fear. It's dealing in those businesses and dealing in that thing and not having a feeling like you didn't have a sense of protection and stuff like that. So I think that had something to do with it also with the picking of Kelvin, Kevin Hunter and bringing him in her life. And it was a reckless decision, in my opinion, but it did have some beautiful outcomes as far as giving her a child and stuff like that. So, you know, we got to talk about this. This is an interesting. I may have to think more about this This a business of, you know, women in show business picking these men to be their successful, not just women in show business, but successful women, period. I actually have a few friends who have done this, you know, who have married below them, like financially. And you see these problems constantly. Even though the man really cares about them, you see constantly this this battle of of masculine the masculine and feminine energies um, dueling it out. You really kind of see you see it a lot. So maybe uh, you, we we I need to think about this a little bit more. <laughs> And maybe figure out how we can have a discussion on it a little bit more about uh, masking because I found that very prevalent throughout Wendy Williams' movie is that uh, you saw a female that felt unprotected. You saw a man who came in to protect her, but he couldn't protect her 
uh, in a financial way. Because in a sense, she was already protected. She already had her own money and security. So he didn't know any other way to but to protect her physically. But she, but money speaks volumes. So, so she had to give him something to see. Like she even, she there was even a scene in the movie, and this I'm going to hurry, I'm going to cut this short, but there was a scene in the movie where Wendy uh, wants to go back to New York. And so she calls up her uh, her former boss and sets it up to go back to New York. She made the deal. Kevin was her manager at the time, but what she does is set it up with the guy to make it make it look like have the guy call Kevin and make it look like Kevin sells the deal. But Kevin didn't understand. She had already set it up, and she never told him. And she said this, the first time he'd probably be hearing about it was on the thing. See, really she never really trusted him to do the business side. She just needed him as some sort of protection. And then when she really wanted to get, she she tried to use him as a shield, but there was really not a lot of trust there. I mean, it's the, man, you could go through so many psychological things on that movie, right? But it really is a definitely a, 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 a interesting uh, note to to understand the dynamics between masculinity and femininity and the power when women are powerful, the powerful money makers or the star in the household, how does the masculine energy handle that? And how do women end up picking a masculine energy that can't handle it? You know, because she she went literally under him, but she never told him. She really set that deal up. That's, that's pretty deep, you know. Um, wow. Yeah. I have to think about this more, okay? <laughs> All right, you guys. Okay, so when I come back, what we got to talk about? New York is about to be hit with a snowstorm. Y'all, can, y'all cold up in y'all mother. I got, I got a few listeners from New York. New York, I know y'all cold. It's <laughs> well, they say it's about to be eighteen inches. Damn, <laughs> y'all about to have a blizzard. Oh, Lord. So we're going to talk about that when I get back. Uh, what else I had to talk to y'all about? Because we, we, we talked to every, oh, I got to talk about Chloe. Y'all been on Chloe, little Chloe Bailey? I'm going to talk about Chloe today because she was trending on uh, Chloe Bailey from uh, Chloe and uh, Haley, uh, the uh, the group, uh, what's some girls name? Chloe and Haley. The group Chloe, little Chloe and Haley, Beyonce little girl group, uh, the, you know. Uh, well, they got their little separate Instagrams this week, and I always talk about how little Chloe hiding pants because she's just a little more sexual one, right? She's a more energetic, performing Beyonce-like one. I mean, she she has all the sexual energy. Well, this week she, this for the last several weeks she's been having her own Instagram account, right? And so sis has been doing a lot. She mean, you know, she been she been you know twerking and everything. And that's a young girl. She's discovering her sexuality and everything. But she did this one particular thing, and you know, people started getting on her. I'm going to tell my thoughts about it when I get back. I'm going to talk about that. Uh, also, um, I want to talk about Nick Cannon having a new daytime show. Um, there was something else, too. We'll figure it out. There was there was another thing I just saw that I, I wanted to talk to you guys about, too. I just saw on the um the thing that came across. So we'll talk about, we got a whole lot to talk about and more. So I'm, I'm going to try to talk to y'all about it tonight in this part two. Uh, let's see, what else, what else, what else, what else? We'll get back. When I come back, we'll we'll hit it up. Uh, to, uh, and I'll t- figure. Did we talk about the Apple Watch? 
We may try to talk about the Apple Watch. It depends on how much time I got. Oh, we got to talk about these four girls killing this part, killing this other little girl in Walmart. These people crazy out here, child. Oh, it's Sheila E. How can I forget about Sheila E.? I'm about to do a movie about Prince. Okay, her and Prince. Child, okay, you know. Child, we got to talk about that Gemini Prince. That Gemini. How many women can do a movie about talking about them and Prince? Which twin, the question is, Sheila, which twin was in love with you? Which hundred, which 20 personalities was in love with you? You know, it's hard. You got to get the Gemini to the, all the twins to like you. <laughs> if there's one personality that don't like you, you might have problems. <laughs> okay, so we're going to talk about that and a whole lot more when I get back on the CC show. Meanwhile, let's listen to, uh, this is late night. We're going to listen to, uh, uh, go with some Gerald Levert, Funny You Should Call, okay? It's the CC show. I'll be back in a moment, y'all. It's going to be one of them days.
Tell me if you're with it, cause I'm with it, babe I haven't heard from you in a minute, babe Just tell me what to do and I get it, babe Gucci and Prada Tick, 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 boom, boom, okay, right? So, (laughs) 
But this week, she says, uh, she's according to Bossa.com, she spoke out in a, a really interesting, uh, I guess, I don't know if she was, she was in Clubhouse or something like that, but she, um, oh, and sh- let me shout, shout out to Shak- Shakira. I want to shout you out, Shakira. I finally got on Clubhouse. Listen, I had two invitations previously to Clubhouse. Clubhouse, and I wasn't really paying no attention to them. I was like, what? And then people kept asking me to get on Clubhouse, and I didn't know it was like, you know, you had to actually, like, have somebody invite you in there. And I had two invitations. I didn't know. But Shakira sent me an invitation, and I finally, Shakira, shout out to you, Shakira, who listened to the show, a friend to the show. Uh, Shakira, shout out to you because she's the invitation. I accepted, and I finally was like, you know, I got on Clubhouse. So, I, yeah, I'm. I'm on there. I'm, I'm looking, you know, I'm looking around, okay? So, uh, under Carlotta Chatwood, okay? But, yeah. Hey, and one of my friends was like, girl, you know how many people are trying to get on Clubhouse? <laughs> and I was like, oh, really? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so, I mean, I, I thank you, Shakira. Thank you so much. I wanted to shout her out. Okay, so, uh, but anyway, Kiki Wyatt, I don't know if she was on, I don't know what she was on, but it says, singer Kiki Wyatt, Ruffling Feathers, it's according to Bossom.com. It says, Ruffling Feathers about race and oppression is eating up comment sections around the Internet. The chaotic conversation seemingly happened between herself and Milan Christopher and several other virtual, on, in a virtual chat. And I think it was Clubhouse, I'm not sure. But it says, in a clip shared by the Neighborhood Talk, former Love and Hip Hop star Millian Christopher seemed to be talking about how black people have been segregated, persecuted, hunted down, and killed, and stolen from, Okay. Wyatt, who seemed to feel offended by Million's commentary, interrupted him to let him know that those experiences weren't exclusive to black people. Black people are not the only ones that have gone through that. You have to understand black people are not the only people that have been oppressed. They are not the only ones, my nigga. Jewish people have been oppressed, okay? I can keep going. I'm biracial, damn it. We fucking oppressed. And then it says, black people done made us feel like shit. White people done made us feel like shit. You don't know that, like, you don't know that. So if you want me to be an ignorant-ass nigga, I will tonight. I don't want to go there. I think you need to understand, sugar. There's no more to life than just being, uh, there's more to life than just being black, baby, okay? And it says, I'm a very nice person, but when you bring the nigga out of me, honey, it come out. But I come out as Shakita, okay? Now, this was this was what allegedly Kiki. Jesus, do we have the clip? We have the clip from the thing. I think we got the clip. Okay, let's see. Let me let y'all hear the clip. Okay, do we got the clip up? See if I can get the clip up for you guys to hear. Okay, cause, you know, I don't know if I got the clip up, but let me just say, I've, I've told y'all what she said. <sighs> let me just say this, okay? Down, Here it is. Stolen from, uh, humiliated. Uh, so you, well, can you let me finish? Because you won't let me finish. When you talk, when you talk I have been nothing but quiet and respectful. Nigga, 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 nigga
So can you let me talk? You have to understand black people are not the only people that have been oppressed. So if they you let me talk, that would be one, my nigga. Jewish people have been oppressed. Okay? But I can keep I can keep going. I'm biracial, damn it. We fucking oppressed. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> uh, Kiki White is right in some place, uh, uh, in some ways. Uh, black people have not been the only ones oppressed. Jewish people have been oppressed. Uh, lots of different people have been uh, 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 in society uh, had wrongs against them, but Black America had a specific situation happen to them. With slavery, the longest form of, of slavery uh, uh, from the diaspora was was American slavery. Uh, race was introduced during American slavery. Uh, there, uh, there was there's a lot of specifics. That's because Kiki is ignorant and has it. She thinks she knows, but she has not known. There are different forms of oppression and different types of oppression. And Kiki's also talking about being biracial. You, I'm biracial. I'm oppressed. Damn it. Well, you're oppressed. The, the the oppression comes from being black, part black. Okay, biracial people, mulattoes, were oppressed just like African Americans. Mulattoes were. If you were a mulatto during slavery, your ass was in slavery too. <laughs> you might have been in the house, but you were still slave. <laughs> Okay, so, uh, and she's talking about she gets oppression from black people, okay? Uh, you know, the tragic mulattoes always, I, I don't like tragic mulatto stories because, you know, I grew up a, 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 a very fair-skinned girl, right? And not mulatto, but I grew up a fair-skinned, fair, uh, fair, uh, fair I mean, you know, there's probably mulatto in all black people, okay? Uh, in all of us, mostly, you know, but... Um, and I had the the the, the, the I had the, the, the for the most part, you know, you get Oreo, Oreo. Black people always get black Americans because we have such racial oppression and, and race up uh, the type of racism that 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 we face in the heart of racism in America, but concerning our looks, everything. I mean, this was it was very crude that was what was done from Black America, not only from an economic standpoint, but a mental standpoint. Um, and so you have a lot of black Americans who struggled with some form of torture because of their, color, their skin color. You know, skin colors are probably issues that we have with each other, other too, you know. And there can be hierarchies in, in the black community placed on people because of skin color. So Kiki, yes, light-skinned people experience words thrown at them, things that were crude sometimes. But I never, most of the time, let me tell you something, most of the time, light-skinned people, if you were light-skinned, you had it a lot easier than a person who was dark-skinned. I know that because I got my, my, I come from dark-skinned women, so I know that you, my, my grandmother is dark-skinned, and my, me and my mother are light, but my grandmother and great-grandmother were dark-skinned. And dark-skinned women would experience some some harsh things. Your oppression is nothing like I would see. As a matter of fact, a lot of light-skinned women would get put up on pedestals and shit. So your oppression ain't 
ain't hardly that deep being biracial. It's always some tragic mulatto. I didn't know where I fit in. I didn't know if I fit in with the white. I didn't know if I fit in with the black. Uh-uh. Let me tell you something. Sometimes if you were mulatto, in, 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 especially in African black schools where there were majority, sometimes you would be put on a pedestal because of you being light-skinned with long hair or something like that or a certain texture of hair and all kind of stupid stuff, okay? So, so your oppression wasn't that deep. As a matter of fact, a lot of mulattoes will run over to hang out with black people because they get celebrated more around uh, with uh, with black people. It's just facts because we we had an issue with skin color and and under and having self hate issues in our community. Okay, so if you had more of a European look, I don't believe your situation was that tragic. I mean, maybe you felt left out sometimes because you couldn't figure out which side of the spectrum you fit on. But for the most part, black people, most of the biracial people I knew and hung out with were just fine in the hood, okay? Kiki White is being extra, okay? And as far as I'm concerned, when she's talking about black people have uh, treated her like shit, well, Kiki, it does not look like it when I see your audience. Most of every time you in concert somewhere, Every time I see you, and you was a singing fool, but every time I see you, you got black people all through your audience. I don't see no white people. I don't hardly see no white people. I don't see no Mexican people. I don't see no. Most of your audience is black people. So treating you bad, they ain't treating you bad because you mulatto. As a matter of fact, I barely knew Kiki Ki- Ki- Why was mulatto until she said something on the uh <laughs> On the show when she was on R&B Divas And another thing, Kiki Wyatt You went to jail I remember, didn't she go to jail for attempt, Almost attempted murder with her I don't forget what it was with her ex-husband I forget what the charges was But when she came out of jail Black people celebrated Kiki Wyatt Put Kiki Wyatt back up Go to them little shows Kiki Wyatt ain't got no album out But people, they would come see her And celebrate her What you talking about, black people treating you bad? Girl, you better you better calm down Black people treat you good, treat you very well. And just because you have a few little kids in the hood, probably you try to say, you ain't black or something like that, a few, because most of the times I knew most of them, I, trust me, that a lot, that didn't happen. I don't think your, your, your issues were any more than a dark girl's issues. We have a community that was oppressed, oppressed and put on, and put in, uh, uh, put in di- crazy circumstances, and had to live up to standards that we were not European standards. And so, a lot of black people's head was messed up. And that's why I always hate the tragic mulatto story because the tra- a lot of times you see the tragic mulatto. I just, I just didn't know where I fit in. You a damn life. You don't know where you fit in. You you just mulattoes has been in the black community since slavery, girl. Oh, a dude. If you didn't know where the fuck you fit in, that's your own personal shit. <laughs> but mulattoes have been mulattoes are just as much a part of black American society as anybody else. As a matter of fact, I would go far as to say is that the whole black African American race in America, specifically Native Black America, is a mulatto race. The fuck you talking about? That's why I just say maybe you had a different experience, but it, there's always there's some form of oppression in the black community. Period. Now, while I understand what she was saying, it wasn't very cool to say uh, what she would not understand the uh, specific oppression to black people. 
when black people are your main bread and butter. Talking about they treat you bad. Black folks ain't treat you bad. Kiki, Kiki, black people are out buying, buying, keeping you afloat. Absolutely ridiculous. When I heard that, I couldn't believe she said that. And, I, and you know, she always had a little ticky. Let me just go on. And, um, you know, it's just really crazy. People sometimes gotta, be, you know, watch what you say. Cause you know who you you got to think about who your audience is. That's what it is. Okay. Now this week, Chloe Bailey has been out here, you know, and she's been dead. Chloe just was discovering herself. She's in her young 20s. She's beautiful, young girl, uh, 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 finding her her way, her sexuality. Uh, I get it. I mean, every girl, young girl goes through that phase, okay, you know. And even sometimes, in, during, you know, you have a, you know, every girl goes through a phase of, of trying to uh, lo- learn to love themselves, uh, from a sexual point of view and everything, but this week, you know, Haley Haley Bailey has been doing. I mean, what's her name? Chloe Bailey. She's been, um, you know, she's been putting up some very sexy. Like she had a little sexy. Uh, 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 what does Chloe have? She had a little sexy. Um, let me see if I can find it on here too. Um, she had a sexy. She she's been putting up a lot of sexy Instagram. Post and pictures and stuff like that, um, and I think somebody came on, and I want to try to uh, find that tweet. I don't know if I can find that tweet anymore. Let me see if I can, if I can pull it up here. Somebody came on. It was a, a tweet, and it, I guess a lot of people have been kind of, uh, kind of criticizing her because she's been, she did this. She's been, she did the sexy silhouette pic. You know, the sexy silhouette. Uh, 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 sexy dance And then she uh, Showed up and she did the busted challenge You know and she had a sexy dress And everything And then um, uh, I think What happened was Somebody came on and said You know and then she did this She did this weird I thought it was a little weird too But she did this video where she was walking to her her bed her her bedroom dresser and she had nothing on but lace panties and you know her big booty was sticking out and you know she had she she looked sexy ain't ain't mad at Haley but she you know clearly she was trying to grab you know some attention I hey listen I ain't mad at her she's beautiful okay listen trust you know hey it's okay I ain't I I ain't mad at getting some but here's what I I said the same thing to. Said the same thing about uh, uh, what's her name? What's that? What's the big girl's name? Um, jeez, what is her name? Uh, the the big singer's name. I forget. But I said I said the same thing about her that she should be careful not to become gimmicky. And so somebody said, because uh, uh, you know, being big, you can people can you know make it gimmicky for you to try to be sexy, but. Uh, Somebody came on and criticized her, saying she was a cornball and that, you know, she's trying to, you know, uh, women can be um, uh, women can be modest, yet, you know, still modest, can be still, don't have to be doing all this stuff without being modest. And I kind of agreed, I didn't agree with that uh, Chloe is a cornball, but I did kind of agree with the post because today, you know, you have so many women. You know, even me, I like being sexy. Let me tell you something. I like being sexy. You know, listen, I'm going to tell you all something. And, you know, 
I like to play up my best features, okay? So, like, when I go out sometimes, I you know, I... I'm a, I'm a sensual person. I'm sexy. I like to, you know, I I have a nice cleavage. I like to, I got nice boobs. <laughs> or I I like or I have nice hips. So I like to accentuate some of the things that are great about me, right? But I also understand that you know you don't want to be doing too much. You know you want to give people just enough. <laughs> Well, I get with today girls don't know mystery, you know what I'm saying? And I understand that, you know, and then you might surprise them every now and then, do a shocker. <laughs> but I saw that when she walked to the dress, I was like, what's she doing that for? But at the same time, she, she went on to explain today, uh, uh, let me see, let me just, let me, uh, let me let me show let me let me go to her Instagram page and see what she said. She was explaining why she started putting up sexy uh pictures, sexy things of herself and stuff. And listen, let me tell you something too. I'm gonna tell you something. I don't know if that's if if she done got I I was used to I was talking about when she 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 had a crush on Diggy and I noticed around the time they allegedly she had a crush on Diggy and I noticed around that time she started getting extra sexy. Uh, listen, sometimes girls, let me let me explain something to y'all. <laughs> sometimes women find their sexy energy not only sometimes not only because of, you know, they're finding love for themselves, but sometimes they're finding love. And sometimes women feel extra sexy because they like they found someone that makes them feel sexy. I talked about this with Beyonce and Jay Z. Sometimes a man can bring out sexual energy in you that you like, woo, like you you didn't know you had. You like, oh. So I feel like she's young and maybe just exploring not only her sexual energy, she may have crushes, attractions, or whatever. And you know she's feeling uh she's feeling a certain way about herself. Okay, I'm trying to find her little uh, thing where she talked about her. Um, where she talked about why she was doing this. I mean, it's on her IGD TV. Let me see. Yeah, it is. Okay, so let's listen. Let me listen to her. I think she's beautiful, though. I always tease that she's a little hot mama. She's the hot mama of the group. She definitely is the hot mama of the group, okay? And that's okay because that's going to be, I think that's going to be a career thing for her. That, I think she, that's that's part of her imaging. But hold on. Let me let me see if I can get it up here. This is what she's saying. For a movie. So the thing is, you guys just get to kind of see who I really am as a person. And I'm I I'm really grateful for you all's support and love because it just wouldn't be right of me to show an image of me that I'm not like a made up clean cut image of me that I'm just not. I'm just inside I'm such a nerd and I like I'm not worldly at all. Like, ask anyone who knows me, they think I'm, like, 50 years old in the head. But when I perform and when I make music and when I dance, that's when I get to tap into the sexier side of myself. And that's where I find my confidence. I'm not going to cry this time because y'all know I'd be crying. So it really means a lot to me when I can finally get to a place where I share who I really am. And I've been, like, really insecure for a long time. And I'm finally, like, at that place where I have self-confidence. I'm not going to cry. <laughs> and I'm really happy that I get to share that with you all. And I think it's so important and so 
a black woman can be strong and stand in her power in every single way. You know, I do it musically with my songwriting, with my producing. I feel so badass. And I get the same feeling when I dance in my room, when I just own who I am and my body. And for so long, I used to think I was, like, fat. And, like, I used to hate my stretch marks and my cellulite. I'm not going to cry. Okay, listen, she made me almost tear up. Listen, I, I get this. I so get this young lady because, and, and I think why I do is because, you know, being a young girl growing up myself, I try to, uh, you know, I here's the thing. I think that sometimes we don't understand the dynamics that are going on with young people. And I why I do respect what the person said about, she, you know, not calling her a cornball, but saying that women can be modest and 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 certain things because that's not celebrated so much anymore today. Because I think sometimes modesty is good. I mean, damn, all y'all gonna be naked running around here twerking and doing showing your ass and all that. I mean, but every now and then, you know, uh, it's okay. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but but I think. Chloe is just feeling herself because she just got on Instagram. She's young. She's learning how to balance it all, and I get that, okay? And being a young girl, you know, I went through that phase. I mean, I mean, my junior and senior, I was wearing sexy clothes. I was wearing stuff that was, I was wearing sexy. <laughs> when I started doing, I really started liking my body at that time, and then, you know, I understand what she's going through, and then there, especially if you grew up, and I'm what I'm hearing is like she said she's boring, she's a nerd, and all this stuff like that. I get it because you know, I that I I I I get it because I think sometimes you know when I was young I used to feel like that too, and there was this other side of me, my very Scorpion nature. I'm a little bit Scorpio now, <laughs> a 27 degree one. Right, so so I, there was this other side of me that was very sexually exotic, right? And I, you know, I tried to let me tell you what I did, okay? Because I like playing up the sexy side of me. So when I got young, I was I went into church and just completely tried to, you know, I grew up in the church, but I really dabbed in the church like about twenty five or twenty six, and I tried to cover that person up. I was like, I literally tried to cover her up and really just said, you know, okay. I didn't even want to explore my shadow side. I, <laughs> I was just like, you know what, because I felt like it was too intense for people. You know what I'm saying? So I would, you know, and then I, 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 I to me, I, I really did myself a disservice. And just now in my 40s, I feel like I'm rediscovering that person. And so I think the earlier you can discover the, that that sexual energy and you you know how to balance it and and I think Chloe's at this place in her life where she's trying to balance it has a young lady who is musically talented who's in a career where sexy helps right and who is um trying to find herself not only as a woman on a strong femininity tip. And she got a good example with Beyonce. Beyonce is very sexy. Beyonce's a church girl too who grew up and, you know, she's Scorpio Moon, stuff like that. So, you know, there is, you know, I think that it's sometimes there's a guilt energy to women like that that grew up like that to be sexy. And that's why I think she's crying because she's saying, Hey, it's taken me a while to get here. 
I, and, and to me, that's gross. She's so far ahead. She's learning how to balance her sexuality. And yeah, you know, I think she's doing a little too much. Yeah, but I get it because she's learning balance. She's learning how to uh, to enjoy, try to enjoy her sexual energy as a woman. To you know, to balance that with being. Just a woman too, and you know, I, I felt like you know when I was young, I didn't, I, I can admire a young lady like that because I feel like when I was young, I just tried to drown that side instead of understand it more. You know what I'm saying? And so as I get into my 40s, I'm finding myself as older and trying to understand the energy of me more. You know what I'm saying? I guess why I love astrology so much because in some senses. I feel like it opens me up a little bit to more of who I am, you know, not only has a, a woman in one sense, but a woman has a sexual being, a woman has a, um, has a, you know, just a full spiritual being all the way around. And sometimes you got girls like her who just, you know, they're, they're supposed to be smart and just read their books and everything like that. But there is a sexual energy to her. You can see it in her. You can see. I went to the show. I went to uh on the run tour, I saw her little booty up there. I said, uh-uh, honey, I see you, little girl. You know, she, I mean, she, it was flowing out of her. She couldn't even help it. She tried, but she, <laughs> but she couldn't help it. She's she moving them hips. She's just, she's just sexy. It is what it is, and she has to explore that energy. Now, not everybody has that energy. <laughs> I, you know, it is what it is. Not every, I mean, what I mean by that is sexual sexual sensuality she has a sensuality to her that she needs to explore because it's a part of who she is now not every woman has that sexuality that just oozes out of them but this kid does and if she doesn't understand it, learn to understand it now it you know it, it may cause some damage it may cause some problems later on so i love the fact that this young baby is trying to get trying to understand herself in in an empowered sexual, beautiful way in her sexuality. She ain't out there screwing everybody. She's just dancing in her room, being sexy. She's learning to love her body. I mean, she's showing, you know, showing your booty and stuff. You're trying to show some sexy now. Don't know. <laughs> she's trying to keep the porch light on. <laughs> That's what my great-grandma and my grandma them used to say. Tell my girl, now make sure you keep the porch light on now. Don't turn off the porch light. Never be, be sexy. Y'all don't, don't get, you know, don't be out here, you know, looking dull. I do believe she's trying to explore that. She's a woman. And so I just, I, I felt her on so many levels. I love these little girls. I love Chloe and Haley. I really like them. I do. You know, they they was Beyonce's little uh, uh, mimicking Beyonce now, but they come into their own so much. And, yes, I understand. She also has to compete in a world where all the women is running around here being sexy and stuff like that. <laughs> But at the same time, I just feel like this is something that she just naturally has, and she has got to get a handle understanding it now. And so I, I kind of appreciate the little conversation she's having. She's crying, but I'm going to let y'all hear a little bit more of her, so we listen a little bit more. And I don't post what I post for validation from anybody or even male attention. It's just me. And a lot of people who know, like, who's on my, like, private Instagram, they see, like, I'm just, that's how I find my confidence because it has taken me a lot to appreciate myself and my body. There's been so many times where I felt I wasn't pretty enough where 
I just, I have a lot of issues with my weight. So it's really, it's a pivotal time for me. I'm just now learning at like 22, almost 23, that it's okay to be all that you are and to stand in that power. And I, I think that's why I'm so appreciative of all of you who've been supporting me. And I'm not going to change who I am. If I did, I would be a catfish, and you all wouldn't see the Okay, and, and listen, I, I don't like when girls say, okay, I'm, and I'm learning as I get older. You know, I know they tell you to say that you ain't looking for validation. Everybody looks for validation in some ways, okay? Now, if that's what you need to make it day-to-day, then that's a problem. But everybody wants a little sense of validation. I mean, it's, it's cool when a dude looks at you and says, I mean, I, I love that about Aisha Curry. When Aisha Curry came on to um, – she was on the red table talks with Jada Pinkett in them, and she said she being married, she felt like she left her, she lost her desirability. She was like, I mean, nobody's checking for me, you know what I'm saying? Or so she said she, she she was just saying that she wants to be desired. That's important as a woman. As a woman, it's okay to be sexy. You want the, to be desired. Shit, if I people you stop being desired, what the shit? <laughs> so desire is part of a woman's makeup. To want to be desired she, she doesn't know that yet She's 22 And she's trying to say Well I, don't, I wasn't trying to validate You know get validation from men A little bit you were She might not be saying that But a little bit you were uh, You know But that's because You want to be desired As a woman That's a part of Understanding your sexuality And understanding The beautiful nature of And especially when You have that energy You know as a woman When you have This powerful Sexual, sexy energy. Yeah, you you want people to notice that powerful, beautiful thing about you, but in a good way. You don't want them to think you're a hoe, but you. you but I get. But there, it, there's nothing wrong with wanting validation. I mean, you, listen. Okay, let me tell you something. Okay, let's let's, let's be honest here. Okay, I mean, because a lot of people talk a lot of shit. Okay. People will say stuff like, I don't need no validation from no man. I don't need no validation from no man. But let me tell you, you some of y'all tonight, if Idris Elba was single out in these streets and Kyle, one of y'all up, was calling y'all up on the phone, you feel like he was the shit. <laughs> Idris Elba would change some of you bitches' life. Okay, you be out here, you feel a sense of validation. You be like, girl, Idris done called me tonight, honey. Girl, mm-hmm, girl, girl, Idris is calling you. Girl, yes. What? That's uh, Now, if you need it to, there's a difference if you need it to, like, you need people's validation all the time to feel that you're beautiful or to feel that you're this and that. If you're starving for it. But in a sense, there is always a sense of a little bit of validation that you need, and it, it and it and it does do something to you when a certain type of person, like say for instance, a lot of times people tell women not to seek, not to want a man's validation. But the type of man you date, it is important to get to you. You do uh, there is a certain validation that comes with a man with a certain type of man. I mean that is that isn't your only. I mean that isn't. Just say this: you can think you're beautiful tonight. You can think you're powerful and beautiful. But if Idris come along and like you, you be like, damn, I am powerful and beautiful. It's even more validation to what you already know about yourself, right? 
So I'm not saying I what I, I don't know. I, I've always thought it was not healthy to tell people that uh, you're not supposed to want some form of validation because in some ways all humans want a form of validation. All humans want some form of acceptance. It's when it becomes toxic that it's a problem, when you need that to feel completely good about yourself all the time when it's acting as a drug. But sometimes validation can come along to help you uh, feel good and better about yourself and even do more of the work on yourself, right? You know what I'm saying? Like I, I had a friend one time in high school who used to dress kind of, she would dress that, she would be dressing drab, she would be dressing like, you know, I'd be like, what in the world is going on? Like a little old lady and stuff, okay? And then when she got in college and she started dating this guy, this guy, he was very good looking, he was very sexy and everything, her whole outlook on herself changed. Now some of you are like, well, why does she need him to, to to change that? It was him. It wasn't. It was him helping her discover how beautiful she was. It wasn't that she needed his validation. They eventually didn't even date and stay together. But she kept her energy up after she, after they broke after they broke up. But the thing was that his him him liking her, him. Uh, giving her love and stuff helped her to love herself, helped her to self validating herself. She's like, Well, I didn't know I was, people thought I was cute. I didn't know people thought I was pretty. I was like, Yeah, you put on some clothes. <laughs> you know, or something like that. And she felt so much better about herself because of that. Now, that validation from him helped her to become something better. Now, it wasn't toxic where she needed, like, when he was gone, she felt less than. No, but his caring for her showed her, like, you know what? Damn, I am pretty. Like, you know, I, like, pulled a really good-looking guy. And, you know, I didn't realize, man, maybe I am cute. Maybe I should try this sexy dress on and stuff like that. He brought out a different energy in her, okay? So I, when people say, I don't need your validation, uh, yes, you do, and you in show business. So Most show business people, that's why they in show business. They crave validation. The, <laughs> That's a requirement for show business almost. Facts, okay? That's facts, okay? It's a requirement. Most people who are the biggest celebrities, you know, they want love from their audience. They get fed from their art. Their art form gets fed from their from from the audience. If you lie and say up here, I don't really care if you don't like my music or not, you're a damn lie, okay? You get fed from the audience. Most that's a lot of times the best artists you'll find in their lives where they'll have a sense of uh, things that have, have happened to them uh, has uh, children or, or, or things like that that made them insecure, make them seek attention or make them seek. Like we, we had uh, one person on here uh, when we had an astrology lady on here uh, Apollonia and Apollonia was talking about one of the one of the celebrities' chart, and she was saying, "Well, they 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 love they seek women. They it's something about women or whatever." She was saying about them, and I was saying, "Well, that fits because they may be chasing an energy, a feminine energy that they couldn't get at home, but that that fuels their artwork. That fuels who they are. That chase fuels who they are. It came from a place of toxicity." But if you, a lot of artists have that. A lot of times you'll find artists sometimes didn't have the greatest home life. Or sometimes you'll find the ones who did have the greatest home life, they still need validation. They love performing. They love people looking at them. 
I want you to see me. You know what I'm saying, therapy? You know, it's, 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 they have that sense, the need for validation. So I disagree with her saying she doesn't need validation. Uh, she did. That's why she did what she did. And it makes her feel good when people say, look at that body, honey. And she gets more confidence in herself from other people saying to her, you look beautiful. You know what I'm saying? You you look great. Like when I was at home and people was like, girl, look at this weight. You don't lost the weight. Oh, my God, girl, you looking good. Girl, blah, blah, blah. Shoot, I feel good. <laughs> right? So you do get, there is something to validation. It's okay to a point to want to be validated. Okay? It's okay. It's okay. Tell y'all. Okay? Listen, it is what it is, all right? So that's part of being human. So I wanted to talk about Holly, I mean, with Chloe, for a minute, touch on that, okay? Okay, so when I get back, we're going to talk about, um, we're going to talk about Tina. I'm going to talk about, when I say Tina, what am I going to talk about? We're going to talk about uh, Sheila E. out here. That's do this movie about Prince. <laughs> okay, and we'll get into some, a little bit more news in the last hour, y'all. Okay, so meanwhile, let me play. What am I gonna play for y'all? Uh, late night. Uh, let's see. Oh, I love this one. It's one of my favorites. Earth, Wind, and Fire. I love Holiday. It's the CC show. I'll be back in a moment.
Hey, you guys, I am back. I had a little technical trouble. Uh, <laughs> it's a late night show. Hey, hell, I don't know what's going on here. Welcome back to the Carlotta Cowboys show. I am doing a late uh, night special edition. Oh, my God, you guys, I'm telling you. I'm telling you everything that can happen right now is happening. But it's all good. It's all good. It's, it's, it's good, okay? So let's get back into what we were going to talk about. Okay, so... I was talking about the worst snowstorm that was coming uh, to uh, Mayor de Blasio declared state of emergency for worst blizzard in five years. Three waves of uh, snow predicted to dump uh, in New York. Uh, They're saying uh, Mayor de Blasio Sunday night declared a state of emergency shutting down roadways to all but essential workers. This is according to NewYorkDailyNews.com. It says, urging everyone else to remain indoors to let emergency vehicles handle three waves of snowfalls expected to pile up to 24 inches. Okay, so they expecting like a blizzard to hit your ass on the East Coast. Oh, my Lord. Mm, mm, mm. It's going to be cold, okay? I hope y'all stay safe. That snow is no joke. 24 inches, too? That is a lot. Oh, my gosh. They're going to be digging out of snow for weeks. <laughs> oh, my goodness, goodness, goodness. Okay, so uh, shout out to the people on the East Coast that have to deal with all that snow. Jeez. Oh, my goodness. Crazy, okay? All right, so I want to talk to you about Sheila E's movie. Let me get this. I'm trying to get my head uh, gear for y'all too. Anti. <laughs> I'm hoping y'all can hear me with my head. So my head said been acting crazy. Okay, here we go. I think we're right. I think we're right now, guys. I'm trying to. I'm have, I'm doing a little technical work and talking to y'all. This is what happens here. This this is it. This is what happens on the show. Sometimes I get the messy with the. <laughs> With the good, okay? Okay, so uh, let's see here. Um, we were talking about Sheila E. Okay, so Sheila E. is saying, they're saying, according to RonsoitSnitch.com, they're saying Sheila E. is filming a movie about Prince. Oh, this should be interesting. Mm. All right, they're saying, last year, Prince protege Apollonia Cotero blasted drummer Sheila E. For exposing her relationship with the late rocker, claiming Prince was so disenchanted with Sheila that he didn't even speak to her for the last five years of his life. In totally unrelated news, Sheila E. just announced she is making a movie about her time with Prince. Sheila E. made the announcement with uh, a Facebook status that reads, Coming soon, Sheila E. to release Girl Meets Boy, a film telling of uh, the beautiful story of her time with Prince. Stay tuned, Okay. Listen, I, due to my extreme love for the glamorous life, and can I tell you, when I first saw Sheila E, oh, my God, playing them drums, I wanted to play drums so bad. I was like, I want to play drums. My grandma was like, I'm not going to get you no girl on this drum set because you're going to sit up here and mess with me. <laughs> the drum, you know, those drum sets. I, I wanted to be Sheila E so bad. Because I, lo- I thought it was the coolest thing ever to see a girl playing the drums. I was like, that shit was dope. I loved it. I loved that album so much. That's one of my, to this day, I love that, that damn album. That Glamour's Life album was bomb, okay? So, but I was not going to say anything on this. But I feel like now I have to speak on this movie. 
he knew Sheila E. had a relationship with Prince. I think I was guessing he did because he tended to have he tended to at least it looked like that from the outside looking in. We we tend to you know I used to even say I should have been a Prince girl. <laughs> I should have went to uh, Minneapolis when I was eighteen. I used to say I that I would drove me crazy. But listen, so Prince had he all his his proteges seemed to be his girlfriend. <laughs> Was there what I mean, like, it seemed like he had a, a girlfriend for every personality. You know what I'm saying? Like, And so I'm not quite sure if I'm Sheila E., if I'm going to make this movie about Prince. See, the, Prince was such um, a... Is womanizer the right way? Is that the right thing to call? I mean... He's a Gemini. He was a Gemini male and a Scorpio rising. What's he, Scorpio rising? I forget what what Prince's uh, 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 moon sign was. <laughs> I mean, Prince had a lot of hoes, right? Like, <laughs> like he had Prince girls. Like he didn't have, you know. And there are girls I think he cared about. And I know the Prince community because I've been on Prince. Discussion boards, Prince big community like fan based discussion boards, and I know there's controversy about who the Prince really does. The Prince really have, you know, was it Maya? And you know, I didn't know he even treated Mate that bad. I think I remember her talking about it a little bit on his first wife, Maya. Was that her name, Mate? His first wife on. Uh, she was. I remember she used to be on. She was on uh, the Hollywood Wild show on VH1 with R. Kelly's wife and all them. And she was talking about how the relationship went. She's the only one that had a child with Princess. Her child had passed away. And she talked about how, you know, how he treated her a little bit cold. But I saw a little, a little short documentary on YouTube the other day. I was like, what? I didn't know. Like, he, he like, immediately started, like, he dumped her. I mean, he was such a Jaminian shit. Like, give it up. But it was such Jaminian shit. Like, he dumped her the minute that another girl had come to, what was it, the other second wife, the second girl, uh, Eric Benet's wife now, came in or something like that. It was so sad. I mean, it was just a sad situation. And I personally believe, you know, like, listening to that documentary, I wondered, did he blame her for the fact that she couldn't conceive or that, you know, she she couldn't, like, her baby came out, the baby came out, very uh, very sick, and I, I wonder, did he blame Mate? I don't know. But it was very interesting. I'd love to see her movie. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm interested in Sheila E's movie. I'd like to see a movie from, uh, what's the girl's name that's married to Eric Benet now? I'd like to see that movie because they were married to him. They were very close to him. Uh, I love to see a movie from about Denise Matthews' life because here's my here's my personal belief about Prince. I believe that Jim and I was in love with Matt, Denise Matthews. I really do. I believe that uh, uh, that he got butt hurt though. You know, I think <laughs> that she wasn't putting up with the ridiculousness of. You know, his lifestyle, 
you know, I mean, and and you and you ever see? I was a big Denise Matthews fan. Like, like when I was a kid, I loved a lot of celebrity stuff when I was a kid. But I, Denise Matthews is one of those women that I used to look at and be like, I want to look like her. She's so beautiful. I used to just think vanity was everything. Okay. I was a big Bambi fan. You know, I just really thought she was pretty. Like, from the time she was in Prince of the Group, I, even when she uh, started preaching, I would follow Denise Matthews still. Um, her story, even from her perspective about him, uh, it, it really seemed like a real love story, and it would be something I would probably be interested in because they had that, they had such a, chemistry about and I think he he hurt her and afterwards I think he he was really hurt by her that she left him and I think that he didn't know how to handle that and he became um I think I don't know if he was attached in any more of the relationship I don't know if he was just getting married to get married I don't know you know gyms are so different in relationships you know it's like, like I look at Lenny Kravitz and I'll be like is it are you still just longing for Elisa Bonet? Because, you know, Geminis are something else. You know, they people will think of them as being, you know, hoes, <laughs> particularly the male. You know, a lot of people will say, you know, they just hoes. They hop around. And, but really, they can have, even though they don't like to acknowledge their feelings, they can have really, really deep feelings. And feelings are not something they're comfortable with. And so when they find someone they love, you know, the communicative side of Gemini suddenly sometimes may have a hard time expressing <laughs> or expressing the feelings or, you know what I'm saying? And so, I, you know, with Prince, I wonder if that was the reason there was a detachment and maybe that's the reason he went from woman to woman because he, there, there, there was a sense of, I think heartbreak was associated a little bit with women for him. So I, you know, <laughs> It's a very interesting. I've heard some interesting stories over Prince about Prince over the years. I don't. I let me tell you. I, here's the thing. I know Sheila E said she was engaged to Prince at one time. I I believe he did it, but I don't believe he was serious about it. I'm bringing the time y'all. I just don't think. I think he was a, he was out there. He was very detached about his relationships, and I think Sheila was probably one of the many. But I don't think she was the serious three that I look at. I look at the and it was one more girl before Denise Matthews. I forget. I forget that girl's name. It was another. I'd like to know, like from the perspective of those three women, I, that would be very interesting to me. Like, but Denise Matthews is no longer here. She passed away. But for, uh, you know, uh, but she did write a book. Uh, but she didn't tell a lie. She, she even protected Prince in that book. She did say he was the love of her life. I believe that. I felt like the he, for them, was, I think they had a, a very uh, interesting relationship, combative. But I think they really love each other, a very combative but loving relationship. I just think she wasn't going to put up with his shit, you know, and he had a hard time with control, you know. They said, you know, like Capricorn ain't going to put up with this Gemini shit. 
I think Denise Bashman was a Capricorn, right? And so, you know, and he's a Scorpio rising. He probably had a little possessive issues and stuff like that. Uh-uh. He doesn't have pretty. And, you know, Denise Matthews is a, was a natural wild child, a little bit naturally free energy or something like that. So, it, you know, yeah, I would love to hear that perspective. I'd love to hear Matthews' perspective. I'd love to even hear Eric Benet's wife's perspective. But I am not interested in Sheila E. And here's the thing. I would have rather seen Sheila E. put together a documentary about the women in Prince's life, in Prince's life, and had different people talk about the different relationships, like a, a two-hour documentary, and not just focused up, not a movie just focusing on her and Prince, but a movie focusing on how she met Prince, how to mate. Everybody's like talking about. Because I felt like the women were a very interesting thing about Prince, right, you know. So I would have loved to hear about the relationship. I think even one time Prince was trying to finesse. What's that girl, the reporter on here? <laughs> That's a reporter that got a Tamron high. What are you trying to finesse, Tamron? <laughs> this is a trap. Prince's ass was something else. He was, I think he was having phone conversations with Tamron Howe trying to finesse her ass. Mm-mm-mm. Not getting out trying to finesse her ass. He was trying to finesse her ass, okay? He's trying, I, I, Prince has just a lot of girls. He's interesting in that way. I'm very in, intrigued by Prince's relationships. I am. I'm very intrigued about how he moved. He was very weird. <laughs> like, there's a part of me. Like back in, remember during the sign of the times when he had the long hair? Oh my God, he was beautiful during that. He, he was a good, really good looking. Uh, but yeah, and I found Prince very sexy. But for the most part, I, I have a hard time sometimes even imagining what it was Prince like in bed for women. I, <laughs> I, so I'd be like, you know, like, I mean, like, because, you know, he was short and he used to wear them heels around. I mean, he was, and women, he was still pulling women. But I don't know. In Purple Rain, okay, there was two times I got it during the sign of the time and Purple Rain because I was a kid. I got it in Purple Rain. but And I like Prince. I had a crush on Prince for about two weeks after Purple Rain. So all those times I got it, my mom was a big Prince fan. She loved Prince. She loved Prince. My mom had everything of Prince. My mom loved Prince's dirty drawers. I don't know. I have to ask her what she found very sexy about Prince because I just, I, I might have took him more than because he's because he was short and he was, I mean, but I think maybe women were intrigued by the you know musicians and creatives. They're just intriguing anyway. You know what I'm saying? And he was charming and he was funny. If you look at Prince's interviews, very funny, very charming, uh, very different though. You know, definitely a Gemini in his head. I mean, just he was all over the place. You know, it, Prince was Kanye like Kanye West. Prince was like a more calm version of Kanye West, right? Yeah, we would say that's no, not all see. Yes, have you ever seen interviews about Prince with Prince about chemtrails, conspiracy theories? I mean, I've been to several. I said, I mean, I've been to about how many Prince concerts? I maybe about that's several, probably about four or five Prince concerts. I can, no, no, several a little bit, maybe several. Okay, but Prince would do weird shit like. <laughs> 
<laughs> Prince would do shit like like if you be at the concert and Prince would just stop in the middle of the concert and be like, Did you know that it was better than to give than to receive? He's like, Oh, here you go. And then he starts singing again, he sings a song. <laughs> and then one night he gets it very better to give than to receive and he sang this song. I don't know where it was at. I think I was in Kansas City at the middle of the year. And it was this woman sitting up front, right? Like, <laughs> And he says, if you believe that it's better to give than receive, he looks at the woman. No, he didn't say anything to her. He said, first he says, if you think it's better to give than receive, who wants to give their seat up up front for this brother back, way back there? He pointed this guy way back in the back, back this black guy. Nobody in the front was like, <laughs> they were like, she, I can't have my door seat. <laughs> but there was one white girl, she was jumping up and because she, she, she was hyped the whole show. And Prince said, oh, Prince said, you, you would give up your seat? And she said, yeah. And so she went to the back to his seat and there. Dude came up with two or three songs into the concert. Everybody was partying and singing, you know, stuff like that. And we literally forgot about they switched seats. You literally forgot about it. And he had, like, probably a whole other set, like a 45 minutes to an hour, right? And so suddenly about after two songs, Prince Dawson says, he looks to the back and he looks at the lady. He says, could you come up? Could you get her? Could you bring her up front? Who's the lady that gave up her seat? Could you bring her up front? And she she comes up to the front. The guards go get her. She comes up to the front. He's like, because you know that it's better to give than receive, I want you to sit on stage with me the whole time. What? that. That woman had her. I was like, this, this, this big woman is crazy. <laughs> but that's the kind of shit he would do. <laughs> and I can imagine being in a relationship with his confused ass. <laughs> like, what that shit was like? <laughs> I mean, it was just my And, like, then he would bust out. Like, I went to one show where he was just, like, he bust out. Like, he went through about two, three songs. He says, do you know the six major conglomerates? On all of the uh, record companies and the, all of the radio stations, you can only trace them back to six places. Then he starts performing again. I was like, "What the fuck is that about?" I mean, like, you know, then he talked about Kim Trail. <laughs> That's was funny as shit. <laughs> Woohoo! I was about to say, I so I don't know if I want to hear it from the Sheila E. perspective. I want to know. I would love to. I know she knew Prince on an intimate, some sort of intimate level, but I love to hear, like, especially the marriage relationships about, like, because I've heard mixtures about him. I, I really want to know: Did he ever let down his guard with anyone? You know, that's a very interesting because he does not seem like he he could do that. So, yeah, so Sheila E., I don't know if I just want to hear. I would prefer probably to hear a documentary about all the women that Prince was involved with. Because I, and, and from the perspective, I love to hear from the perspective of, uh, uh, from the perspective of um, uh, all the people who uh, knew, who knew him, like what did they think about the relationships and who did they think was special and stuff like that. 
that would be very interesting. I'd be more interested in that than anything else, okay? That's just, uh, that's just facts, okay? Um, that's, I, that's what I would rather hear, okay? So I found that interesting that she's talking about doing a movie with her and, um, with her and, uh, uh, with her and, uh, uh, about her and Prince, okay? Uh, we see what that's looking like. Okay, so now people are saying that Kanye West is upset because, uh, let me see, do I have that up? That Kim, they're going to play out his divorce on reality TV, okay? I don't know if I even have that up right now. But listen, uh, listen. Here's a, here, I'm not gonna even read that. But let me just say this, okay? Uh, I'm not surprised by that, and Kanye should not be surprised about his divorce being played out on reality TV. I mean, he married into a family that literally has lived their whole life on reality TV. So the divorce is going to play out on reality TV, Kanye. You have to pay your dues in the Kardashian family. This is that's they that's they do work. That's they. <laughs> That's your sacrifice for being married to the Kardashians. I mean, it is what it is. What you think it is going to be out in the streets? You don't have to be on TV. You don't have to give these dudes to the reality. You got to give these dudes and sacrifice to the reality TV guy. Who do you think you are? <laughs> and I already hear that the Kardashians have a new deal on Hulu. They can't go away. They're addicted, okay? So they're going to be on Hulu right here. I mean, seriously? We don't, we, they never going, okay? And then they got generations of uh, uh, new babies coming up. <laughs> oh, boy, Chris is a, Chris is, let me tell you some Chris Cardin, Chris, Chris Jenner, she is. I can't fuck with it. Chris Jenner just made an empire over in those streets, okay? Okay, let's talk about y'all kids out here. Because I'm highly disturbed. Y'all raising little sociopaths in these streets. Don't have no babies. Well, I heard, ooh, ooh, I was watching the master class of Cicely Tyson the other day, and if you have never seen Cicely Tyson's master class on OWN, oh, she, dropped, she, was dropped, she was dropping some gems. Oh, in that master class. Oh, it's something. To, Cicely Tyson was so full of wisdom. But she said something, and I think I caught the end of it, but I think that I got what she was saying. She was talking about people with children. She said, she said, don't bring them here if you're not going to make it worth it, if you're not going to make it worth their while. I said, oh, seriously, priceless. You better speak. Don't bring them here if you're not going to make it worth their while. Ooh, I believe it. I said, that's wisdom. Because she was talking about children not knowing who Dr. King was, not knowing about civil rights struggles, and she was saying she's afraid for the new generation and stuff like that. She said, don't bring them here if you're not going to make it worth their while. Oh, no. Because she was just saying she couldn't imagine kids growing up in the house and not knowing who Martin Luther King was and stuff like that. And you know what? And it was just like I couldn't imagine that either because from the time I was like, I remember I was five years of my kindergarten class and we had to bring like show and tell or something like that. I can't remember that far back. And uh, my grandparents had this 
big, huge book. And it still has it to this day, you know, it has all these Dr. King articles, art, or old articles on the civil rights movement, everything you can think of from the 1950s to on up. Big, huge book of articles and stuff they say. And every time, every almost every year during my grade school years, I would take that to class because that's how they taught me about the civil rights movement. So I, I could not imagine kids not knowing that either. And maybe because I grew up, I was raised by an older generation, okay? So that was interesting to me, but I love what she said about don't bring them here if you're not going to make it worth their while. Oh, my God. See, that's, you know, I just I feel so, even though I don't have children, I feel so deeply about children. I love kids, and I, I, I don't like to, uh, I'm, I, I'm very cognizant of, of, of people's effect. You know, how you affect your children is everything to me. And so uh, I, I like, listen, I get a little disturbed by what I see to them. This is one story that I'm disturbed by. This is according to the Daily Mail uh, dot co uh, dot co uh, co uk it says four girls aged 12 to 14 are arrested over fatally stabbing a 15 year old girl in a walmart after they stole a knife from the store in a fight that was streamed live on social media uh it says the 15 year old girl died in the hospital after being stabbed inside a walmart at lake charles in Indiana on saturday night police say a 12 year old 12-year-old, two 13-year-olds, and a 14-year-old have been arrested. The girls allegedly used the knife they had stolen from the store in the fatal attack. Prior to the arrest, authorities have released a surveillance image of not one of an image of one of the 13-year-old girls fleeing the store after the stabbing in a bid to track her down. Uh, investigators have videos of the fatal stabbing that have been posted on Facebook and Instagram has the live unfolded, okay? They said the girls allegedly used a knife from the store. Um, footage of the stabbing, which was posted on Facebook and Instagram live, showed one girl armed with what appeared to be a knife as the victim approached her, approached and lunged at her. Um, wow, now the victim did, the victim lunged at her? Okay, that's a, that, that Okay. Okay, that that may, that may be self-defense. I don't know what their laws are in Louisiana. Maybe the little girl was scared or something. But uh, y'all don't know how to fight. Because so authorities later released a surveillance image of the girl who is one who is one of the 13-year-olds as she fled in a, a store. Okay, I read that part. Video showed the group of girls fleeing in the store in a getaway car. Has one of them screamed, just stabbed somebody at Walmart. We just stabbed that bitch in her heart. We don't give a fuck. Authorities have not confirmed who was driving the car. Police initially named the 13-year-old named the 13-year-old wanted over the stabbing in a Facebook post. When they were trying to track her down, the other three girls were not named. Uh, listen, um, well, first of all, I want to know who was driving the getaway car. What, the, what if it was a fucking adult? They need to be under the jail, okay? But we're talking about 12-year-olds and 13-year-olds and a 14-year-old who go in. First, they're dumb as fuck. Let me just say that. You are raising some dumbass little kids because they not only went and stole a knife from Walmart and stabbed some damn body, but the dumbasses posted it to social media. 
I thought the kids dumb, 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 dumb. And now lives ruined and have taken the life of someone so brazenly and hollered out of the window, we stabbed that bitch in the heart. No sympathy, no empathy, no nothing. And it's just scary. Kid, what are you, what are, I got to ask. What, I mean, when I saw this story, I was just appalled. I'm like, your babies. And the 14-year-old, more than likely, I think they said in the state of Louisiana, they can't be tried, a 14-year-old can be tried as adults. The 12 and the 13-year-old, not so sure. 10-year-old does not understand that her life is gone, probably. Because what it sounds like is that you premeditated a situation. You premeditated an attack. You, you went to the store. You stole a knife. And you went to go look for the person. And that sounds like premeditation, and that's enough to give you advice. Maybe even, hopefully, not the death penalty. I'm sure they won't go after the death penalty with a 14 year old child. But listen, it is absolutely ridiculous. But it's the brazen, uh, brazenness of it that they went, they, 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 they were so. unaffected by what they were doing that they strengthened lies. Like no consciousness of what I'm doing is wrong and I'm the police may see me any that they are at this is fourteen year olds and thirteen year olds acting like sociopaths already. No, is that a sociopath? That might be more of a psychopath. I, I, I really, there's nothing you can say. I mean, this, I don't want, you know, it's very sad. All I say is this. Go, I'm going to say what, what Sister Cicely said, Elder Cicely. Don't bring them here if you're not going to make it worth their while. Don't do that. You know, Everybody does not make it out of, um, and, you know, I, I really get to, stories like these really hit me because, you know, I was born to a teenage mom, and listen, if it was not for my um, a mother who was a wild child, by the way, it <laughs> still is in many ways, um, but, you know, I look at my grandparents as saving my life. I mean, you know what I'm saying? If they had stepped in, I don't, you know, 
I could have been to a twelve year old girls or thirteen year old girls, my grandma, we gotta take this baby if this is that fat. You know? So I I but everyone does not have grandparents that can step in. And sometimes so many young people who are raised in such difficult situations and they don't have outlets and sometimes they become mentally and spiritually depleted. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised These are the things that create sociopaths and psychopaths. It's in their case probably more now I'm gonna go back back more sociopaths. You know, without having consciousness. Because you can't have you have to be something has to be wrong that you tape yourself taking someone's life you tape yourself on social media taking someone's life and after you've done it, you yell out the window like you're not scared or nothing. Yeah, we stabbed that bitch in our you just that's crazy. That's just crazy. So I, you know, when I hear these type of stories, I get very sad because, you know, and then I also get very thankful, too, because I be like, God, you know, Lord, you just, I get grateful. I be like, God, you looked out for me. You know what I'm saying? Because I don't tell you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because it's some kids, you know, it's some kids that don't. That get I had you know growing up in the eighties seventies eighties I had friends who grew up with drug addict parents and all kind of stuff coming up during the crack era crack bomb what I call it uh, it wasn't easy and to see you know and today you know in some senses I think it's even tougher on kids coming up in impoverished circumstances without. Solid people being there, and I shoot. Listen, I'm, I'm gonna tell you something. I don't know. Most of the time, I'm not saying it's the parents' fault, but I bet there is. You find a, a strange, a lot of crazy background right here with these girls. I'd be willing to bet it. I'm not for sure on it, but I'd be willing to bet it because you just don't come that way out of. You just don't become that way sometimes, and. That's why I just say that I, I'm gonna just leave it at this. But Stephanie Tyson said about children, don't bring them here if you're not gonna make it worth their while. Don't bring no babies to earth if you're not gonna take care of them, love them, challenge them, uh, and give them the best upbringing they can. Or give them if you do bring them to earth, make sure they get end up with someone that can that can nourish them and take care of them and love on them. And I'm not saying abortion because somebody might be, I don't think that's what Sissy Tyson meant, talking about having abortions. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is don't even conceive. Once you conceive, you brought them here. I'm not talking about, I'm saying don't even conceive. If you're not going to put in, make sure you protect yourself. You know, if you know, just dang it. This is this was a very sad story. When I heard it, I was like, "Oh my god, what the heck is going on out here?" What else is another story I wanted to share with y'all? 
Okay, we got to talk about the why we talk about. Did we talk about Harriet Tubman on Twenty Dollar Bill? I said my piece about Harriet Tubman on Twenty Dollar Bill. You know, I don't like the idea of Harriet Tubman on the Twenty Dollar Bill. Uh, I'm, I feel like, you know what? Here's the thing. I feel like Harriet represented uh, something so much more powerful than American commerce and uh, 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 American capitalism that um, that in some ways, even though I can appreciate commerce and capitalism and American capitalism in some ways, but in some ways it was a thing that she was risking her life against because it was the commerce, the slaves were commerce, and the slaves were um, – The 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 money the power the 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 thing behind the dollar bill at that time, and basically in my mind, Harriet Tubman is too good to be on the dollar. Harriet Harriet Tubman is a spiritual energy, you know, a spiritual uh, ancestor that was spiritual. And very powerful, and to limit, I can understand putting the presidents on the dollar in some sense, the old founders and stuff like that. But Harriet Tubman was something different to America. Harriet Harriet Tubman was a consciousness. Harriet Tubman was a courage. Harriet Tubman was a something that 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 money could never capture. And to put her on the $20 bill, in my opinion, is insulting to her legacy. And especially when you when she was going to free a people who had been the exchange for commerce that was treated as property and money. And then you never you never paid their ancestors. You never, she, that's not our reparations, uh, Jim Crow Joe. Don't think it is trying to rush a $20 bill, Harriet on a $20 bill. Don't try to use Harriet Tubman to do what you need to to do, which I shouldn't be doing. Which is exploring how you're going to help African-American people, Native black American people, to level the playing field. You're giving immigrants, illegal immigrants, and other people everything, but you are ignoring the very people who built the very built the biggest part of this country, get built the country whose blood is in the soil. It's not. It's insulting to do that. It's just insulting to me. It's insulting to her legacy. And even her legacy was more than commerce. So I I feel like uh, that is insulting. And at one time I thought it was a good idea maybe. But then I had to think about it. I was like, man, they, you know, 
I didn't think about it like in terms of the type of person that I read Harriet Tubman to be, and I think she might even be a thoughtless. I mean, you ever read about Harriet Tubman? Harriet Tubman was something different. You know, she was endowed with uh, something very spiritual to do what she did. My favorite stories is about, like, you know, how she would shoot you if you decide to go back. She's like, let you know. Like, you ain't going back to tell, tell them that. To tell them, tell them that and tell them how to get, get find their way with the Underground Railroad is, I will kill you. <laughs> she wasn't just spiritual. She she was a warrior. She wasn't, she wasn't no child. <laughs> and so I can't imagine a spirit like that uh, just uh, – uh, uh, Money is not enough of a tribute. Mm-mm. And especially when the uh, Democrats are trying to use it to cover up their bullshit. No. <laughs> uh, not at all. To cover up their lack of really helping uh, black America, you know. Mm-mm. Not really uh, that impressed by that that whole idea. Um, yeah, I saw an interesting story this week. I saw this story where this man died of an orgasm. I think I put it up on the Carlotta chat with face. I was like, at least he had a happy ending. <laughs> that was a bad joke. Oh my God! They said he had this really big orgasm and died. It killed him. That's crazy. You guys can go look at that article <laughs> on the Carlotta chat room page. I was gonna read these like, but I don't know if I got enough time. So I was like, I mean, it's crazy. I was like, wow, man. <laughs> it was uh, it was pretty. Pretty pretty interesting, okay. But let me see. I'm trying to get. I don't know if I. Uh, uh, I don't think I have time to go over that one. So I'm gonna let y'all read that one on the uh, on the uh, thing on the um, read that one. Go to the Carolina Chat with Facebook page, and you can probably find that find that article, okay. Uh, what else did I want to go over you guys with tonight? See, I'm trying, you know, I try to make part two, bring part two out so you guys can, you know, just have fun with part two. <laughs> so you can, I, at least I can give y'all a little something, okay? So next Saturday, if I'm, if I'm on next Saturday, I don't know what, I don't know. You know, I think it depends on how my homework week goes and all this stuff I got to do. I may have a show or I may do the show early. We'll see. Cause I'm trying to get some other things going on, too. So you guys will see what happens, okay? We'll we'll see how it how my schedule works out, and we'll get um some other we'll uh, get. I mean, you know, we'll get the get the show together for next week, and then I'll probably put some uh, things that I wanted to talk about in this show in the show for next week, okay? What else? What else? Well, how long do we have? How long do we have left? Okay. We talked about Chad Wheeler, I think. Yeah, we did on the last show. Uh, did we talk about Tamar realizing it was her? About people say Tamar's story. 
I was going to talk about the Apple Watch, too. I think we're going to save the Apple Watch story, okay? Um, I'm like, Carl, are you saving all the stories? What you doing? <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know. You know what? I feel like some stories, you know, sometimes I, I be in the mood for some stories and some stories I am not. Uh, but let's end it with a fun story tonight, okay? With Tiffany Haddish, you don't see Tiffany Haddish in Puckers uh, uh, up with her boyfriend, Common, and Sting Silhouette Challenge. And it was funny because her weed fell out in the middle of the <laughs> I mean, she set it up like that, but it was real cute. Like, she, she had this little silhouette challenge she did, and uh, Common comes up behind her, and they kind of, you know, getting a little sexy. And, and then all of a sudden, you see her wig slide off, and he, he grabs the wig in his head, and when he walks away, it's, it's hilarious. <laughs> but I thought that was so cute, okay? Uh, you guys can check that out probably on her Instagram page. But it is, I thought it was the cutest little thing. Listen, I didn't know. I remember I was up late one night, and sometimes I'd be, you know, like I love to, like, go watch YouTube. And I was looking through some hair reviews because, you know, I like I like to wear a wig, weaves, all that stuff. So I was trying to see some hair, you know, what type of, you know, what was the latest, like, hair stuff they had out or whatever. And these girls, I found a whole slew of videos about women. And it reminded me, because Tiffany Haddish did this today, it reminded me of those videos. I saw a whole slew of videos about women about having uh, videos on about how to keep your wig on during sex. I was like, oh, my God, they got videos like <laughs> I was like, what? I mean, and some of them was hilarious. It was this one woman telling the story. Like, she was telling the story about how she was with uh, someone. You know, she was with a guy, you know, and he grabbed her hair and grabbed the wig. I was just <sighs> I laughed. I was like, seriously? <laughs> and so then you had girls on there with lace fronts talking about how they glued them down. It's just so hilarious. And there was this one woman, on, she was talking about that. She gave tips, and she was telling women that if you wear weave, if you pull your weave out, let me just say this. If somebody pull your weave out, you don't wear from making love to fighting. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, YouTube literally has videos <laughs> You can see. <laughs> oh my god! I was like, "Wow, that it was hilarious." I mean, they were so funny because you know, listening to the women's stories about how they explain to somebody that they're getting ready to have sex, that you know, like uh, you can't. This is the lace front. <laughs> Crazy! I'm nuts. The weirdest thing is interesting. <laughs> Oh man, I definitely. Oh, it's, I don't know. You know, I the strangest things interest me. You know, they used to be. I even I said one time that I, you know, I I just I I said one time that I I just really like really weird subjects. <laughs> like have a really. That's why I probably like Shane Brody so much. I really booty a booty. What's her name? Booty. Brody, Brody, I don't know, because I love the freeness of, of the talks of, like, this. I, I, I probably should have, you know, sometimes I think I should have been Dr. Ruth, <laughs> like a Dr. Ruth type. 
<laughs> I like conversations that surround it sometimes around sexuality and sex and people and stuff like that. I like those kind of conversations because sex is such a spiritual energy to me, so I always like to hear people's thoughts and stuff. And so I like it. I watch a lot of weird videos, but it was so funny to watch that video about the hair. Like women, they actually have on YouTube, women have, and then they also have, listen, they also have videos on YouTube that there are women who tell you how to uh, spell people's name out <laughs> when you're riding having sex. It's hilarious. I, I didn't even know these be on YouTube. I was shocked. I was like, this stuff exists because once you see one video about like the hair, then it leads to other videos. Like, oh my god. Hilarious. It was like I found the whole other world of YouTube. <laughs> oh my god, you know, y'all know it's getting late, okay? I'm I'm funny. I'm being I'm yeah. I'm just you know we're coming to the end of the show. <laughs> y'all like call out of you crazy. I am. But y'all definitely should say, if you wear weaves or wigs and you want to know how to keep your weave on or wig on during sex, I definitely got to check out those videos on YouTube. <laughs> oh, my God, they were some of the most hilarious videos I've ever seen. And one girl was talking about how she braids, she has her hair done a certain way or whatever, or what she knows that she, she has it tightened down and she, but I thought about that awesome Tiffany Haddish when she was, you know, her and Tommy were doing the sexy dance and her wig fell off in the middle. It was a joke, but it was funny because I was like, oh, my God, it reminded me of those YouTube videos I had seen. Oh, crazy. <laughs> okay, you guys, I am out. I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful week. Enjoy the rest of your week. Stay safe. Uh, stay good if you're on the East Coast. Oh, stay warm. Oh, my God, y'all about to have a blizzard. Stay warm. Get some hot chocolate. Chill it out. <laughs> or some coffee or whatever y'all drinking. And stay in the house, okay? For the rest of everybody, you guys have a wonderful, wonderful week, and I will see you. God bless sometime this week. Okay, we're going to leave out with, uh, what are we going to leave out with? Because I don't know. Um Let's leave out with something. I you know I love this song. I think it's is this is that is that that did that song? Can you write? Because I don't have the person on there. I don't have the person listed. Okay, we're gonna say so we're gonna leave you out with spend the night. I am Carlotta. If you want to remember, if you want to get a hold of me, you can hit me up at the car. So I'm not gonna come back on and say this is all I have. So, so if you want to hit me up, remember you can hit me up at the Carlotta Chatwood Facebook page. You can also hit me up on Carly's underscore Galaxy. On Carly's uh, um, underscore Galaxy on uh, Instagram and on Twitter, Carlotta72 SC Chatwood Show are both my accounts, okay? And then if you're on Clubhouse, you can follow me at Carlotta Chatwood, okay? I haven't done a Clubhouse uh, thing yet. I may have to, though. Like do a do a room or host a room or something. We'll figure it out, okay? Yeah, okay. So you guys have a good one. I'm out. We can spend the night. Have a nice night, y'all. Bye. You know, girl, I've been holding you for a long time. But now I feel like the time has come for you to hold me for a long time.
I know I said I wasn't going to come back, but this Ian Faye song, okay, it reminds me of back in the day when you had to tape and they'd be playing it. And they'd play these tapes where you need to mix it with all the grooves on it. Man, they, those were the best R&B groups back then. Oh, my God, they were so good. That's all I wanted to say. <laughs> I'm out. See y'all.